I have one thing to say to you. Kiss my fat ass. My fellow mourners of diet culture, it is I, Emily Lubin. I'm the Grim Reaper and the host of this show. Welcome to R.I.P. Diets, episode 16. Sweet 16. Happy to be back. I am super excited today because we actually got an update from the listener question that I answered last week in the private Facebook group. You guys, if you are not a part of the private Facebook group, you need to pause this episode right now, go to Facebook and search RIP Dieters and request to be added. And guess what? There's no questionnaire. There's no screening process. If you request to be added, I will add you. I just ask that you keep it a safe space and don't body shame or use any problematic diet culture terminology and uh, we'll be all good. We'll be Gucci. But anyway, last week, um, I would recommend you listen to that episode if you haven't yet, just so that this update makes sense. But last week, I answered a listener DM from a girl. Her name is Kami, which uh, cutest name ever, I have to say. <laughs> Fucking love your name. And I kept her anonymous, but she actually wrote in the Facebook group saying, hey, this was my question that I asked. So I feel like it's okay for me to out her now. So Kami, Thanks for writing in and thank you for updating us. Whenever I say, guys, update me with how this advice question pans out. I feel like I never hear from people and I'm just left in limbo wondering what happened after I gave whatever kind of advice I gave. So thank you for updating us. And this is the update, guys. So she wrote into the show last week about a diet that was prescribed to her by a doctor to reduce inflammation. And she said that she herself had a history of disordered eating and she was concerned about going on this diet, which happened to be uh, low sugar, low gluten. She was concerned about going on the diet because she felt herself kind of slipping back into disordered eating and not really being able to eat intuitively on this diet as I completely understand that would be very difficult to do. And she updated us. She says, I actually wrote into the show about the diet my doctor had put me on. As an update, the diet I was on was ineffective. I went to another doctor who told me I'm actually clinically starving. I'm now eating anything and everything I can get my hands on, listening to my body and eating when I'm hungry. Always get a second opinion. Always listen to your body. I'm starting to feel a little bit better now that I'm not restricting my food intake. I also want to add that I was definitely using the restrictions to validate not eating, as Emily pointed out. Hearing it from an outside perspective really brought clarity for me. Uh, I'm so happy that you had that experience And I'm so happy that you actually sought out another opinion and that you are feeling better. Honestly, when I gave that advice, I was a little hesitant to say that you could be using this diet to restrict your intake and to slip back into disordered eating just because I never like to tell people that they're not really feeling what they're feeling or their mind 
is potentially tricking them into thinking that this diet is helping when really it is hurting you. I I don't like to say that because um, I feel that I could be overstepping a boundary and saying, oh, you know the way you're feeling? Um, It's actually your mind playing tricks on you. You don't really feel that way. So I'm so happy that I followed my instincts on that and that you actually heard the advice and have sorted your shit out. I just think that's so amazing. Um, Mazel tov to you and definitely keep fighting the good fight and notice what happens in your body when you eat certain things. And I'm definitely not saying that it, that what you eat is not a contributing factor to certain digestion issues that you're having I I think that's definitely a factor or could be a factor but I don't think that a severe restrictive diet such as no gluten and no sugar is right for most people and especially not for people who have a long history with disordered eating just because eliminating entire food groups is extremely restrictive and can be very triggering for those of us who have dealt with that stuff. And when I think about my experience with this, I immediately think about vegetarianism and veganism. I've noticed that there's a handful of people in my circle who I know who have recovered or say they have recovered from disordered eating, but They have chosen to be vegan or vegetarian, and I've just noticed this as being a trend. And I think veganism is the most socially acceptable form of food restriction. So I think oftentimes if you've had an eating disorder and you've gone through recovery, you still kind of have that urge to restrict. So oftentimes we can find a diet that is either for humane reasons like veganism often is or other diets like keto or paleo that are praised for their health benefits and we can kind of latch on to those and use those as a way to be in pseudo recovery and I was in pseudo recovery when I first tried to recover from my eating disorder, when I was recovering, and I I think at that point I even would say I was in recovery for my eating disorder, I still had a fear of eating meat. I had been a vegetarian for years, um, even before I was really into my eating disorder, and then all the way through it, and then a little bit after. And Even when I was starting intuitive eating, I was still trying to limit my meat intake and a little bit my dairy intake. Um, And I would say that it was for humane reasons, but I think I just had this fear of eating meat and I would restrict how often I ate it, even when I wasn't a vegetarian anymore. I remember I moved into a new apartment and I had roommates that I found on Craigslist. And I told my roommates that I was vegan when I moved in. Even though I was not vegan, I was in recovery and was supposed to be eating intuitively and eating everything under the sun. But I told them that I was vegan. And I think I did that so that I wouldn't be able to keep any of those products, like meat and dairy products, in the fridge. And The entire time that I was living there, I didn't buy any meat. I didn't buy any cheese, nothing with dairy in it. And that was because I had already told this lie and I couldn't go back on it. I didn't want to I didn't want to reveal myself to them that way. It's crazy how disordered eating makes you a liar. And I've said this in the past, like 
when I was in my eating disorder and even in the early stages of recovery, I was just such a fucking liar. And I would say things that were not true to kind of safeguard me from food, which was the enemy at that point, and to safeguard me from the judgment of other people as well. And that it's just never a good idea. It's never a good idea to try to limit yourself when you are intuitively eating or trying to intuitively eat. Don't limit yourself. And I definitely respect people who choose to be vegan, but I think it is a very difficult thing to be vegan or vegetarian when you have a history with disordered eating because it translates to food fear. And we don't want to fear any food because food is fuel. It's good for us. We need it to survive. And, um, you know, how can you go through your life being afraid of a donut? Okay, there are enough things in this world that I am fearful of, like human trafficking and gun violence, to name a few. And I just I cannot be afraid of a donut. Okay, that's just that's going to put me over the edge in a way that I don't like. Over the weekend, I was watching The Simple Life, which is uh, one of the first reality shows or celebrity reality shows that uh, was on TV. It was in the early 2000s, as is all of the references that I make on this show. And on The Simple Life, Paris Hilton and Nicole Richie go to this random ass town in Arkansas and live with a family on a farm. And they have to have little jobs here and there and they have to live in like this open room that's basically a porch and it has a well in the middle of it and they have no idea what the fuck is going on. It's such a funny show. Now, do you guys hang out at Walmart? <laughs> I don't what know. What is Walmart? It's like they sell wall stuff. And also, side note, the fashion is just outrageous so many von dutch hats so many low rider jeans i'm actually convinced i've developed a theory i don't think paris hilton has a butt crack has anyone seen her butt crack like actually seen it i just i need some people to weigh in on this for me because it's a working theory you know i've never met a human being that didn't have a butt crack Maybe she got it surgically closed. I'm saying this because she wears the lowest jeans I've ever seen in my life. And they're so low that like if she had any pubic hair, you would definitely be able to see it. And yet you cannot see her butt crack. I don't even get a glimpse of her butt crack. I just really want to know if she has one or if she just has the world's lowest butt crack that it can never be exposed, in which case I'm a little bit jealous because I hate that feeling of uh, having your butt crack out and realizing that everyone's been looking at it. The whale tail is, um, well, let's just say it was one of my signature looks. Back in middle school, I tried to rock the whale tail. There was a brief period of time 
when it was really fashionable or not really fashionable, but you know, it was a trend to show uh, your thong above the waistline of your jeans. And I definitely tried to rock that, but I didn't commit to it. So um, I never really pulled it off. You know, I would kind of have the whale tail, but then kind of want to pull up my jeans because it was uncomfortable. And I felt like my ass was splitting in half. Um, But we can all learn a thing or two from uh, Paris Hilton and her crackless butt. Anyway, I didn't really mean to get on that tangent, but when I was watching The Simple Life, they had to work on a dairy farm in one of the episodes, and I was just thinking, if I was working on a dairy farm or a slaughter farm or anything like that, I would definitely be tempted to become vegan or at least vegetarian from seeing that process. And I understand there are many reasons to want to limit the harm that we inflict on animals in this country. It's really horrific, the mass production of of meat products. And I've always felt that way. But I myself, for my mental health and my physical health, to be honest, um, I make the choice to eat meat, and that is everybody's choice to make. I would just say that um, if you're attracted to, and this is not even specific to veganism really, but if you are attracted to a certain diet for health reasons, you have to ask yourself, if this diet would actually make me gain weight, would I still want to do it? Am I in it truly for the humane reasons, or Am I secretly in it because I am attracted to the idea of restricting my intake in some way to feel that kind of control in some form or fashion? Just ask yourself that. And if the answer is no, you know, I truly cannot look at a picture of a cow and be okay with the fact that I'm eating a hamburger, fine. I'm not going to hold that against anyone because once again, I do think it is a noble thing. It can be a very noble thing. But Everybody's different and it does not make you a bad person to choose to eat meat if that's what is right for you. It doesn't make you a bad person to choose to um, eat whipped cream out of the can all day and not ingest anything solid all day. If that is what feels right for you, fucking do it. Honestly, intuitive eating is a great way to feel empowered about the choices that you make and the way that you live your life. I've found at least that it's a really amazing gateway into feeling complete autonomy and control over your life in a really laid back, carefree way, not the same type of control that I felt when I had my eating disorder, which was intoxicating until it wasn't, until it completely drained me. But intuitive eating, I think, can be such an empowering experience. And I think it's the way we all should eat because I've never felt more like my own human and more of an adult and more of a woman than when I am feeding and nourishing my body according to my internal cues and nothing external. Now, uh, speaking of reality TV, not my best segue, but here we go. Have you guys heard of a little show called America's Next Top Model? I know that I watched it back in the day, like probably seasons one through five. I was glued to the TV. I loved America's Next Top Model. Tyra Banks, who is the voice in the intro song to this show, fucking love Tyra. She seems like a bit of a maniac, but ain't never stopped me from standing. She hosted this show, and it was basically they would take 
unknown girls who were all exceptionally pretty. Um, and then they would train them to be models. They would send them on photo shoots. Uh, they would give them makeovers and teach them how to be high fashion and how to be commercial. Um, and then the winner would get a deal with CoverGirl and like something else. I don't even remember. Maybe like get signed with a model management company or something. Um, but anyway, my guest today, who I'm so excited for you guys to meet, she's so funny and cool and just everything that I want to be, was on America's Next Top Model. And she was one of the plus size models. So they would typically have like, I want to say 25 straight size models, but really like high fashion size zero models. And then they would have one plus size model and the plus size models on America's next top model were definitely not plus size. I will say, and we get into it in this conversation, but the plus size girls on America's next top model were definitely straight size women. You know, nothing, no one over a size 10 was cast on that show. And America's Next Top Model got a lot of flack for pushing these unrealistic body standards. And I know there were a lot of storylines, at least in the early seasons, of girls maybe gaining a little weight or not being um, fit enough in the judge's eyes. And they were put on diets or they were told to lose weight. This is a storyline that would come up a lot. I actually remember, I think it might have been the first season or second season, there was a girl who um, while they were traveling, I guess she just had put on a little bit of weight and they told her, you really need to watch what you eat. You really need to lose a little bit of weight. You're bigger than you were when you came in here. And I remember this this woman was saying, okay, I'm only a size two though. Do I, like, what do I need to focus on? And that always uh, stayed with me just thinking like, wow, this size two Amazon legs for days woman is too fat to be on America's Next Top Model. That is crazy. Anyway, my my guest today is Sarah Hartshorn. And I just loved this conversation today. We really got into the experience of being on America's Next Top Model as a plus size model and what it was like to work in the modeling industry after the show had ended and kind of what, what that experience was like for her. And then her decision to leave modeling. And since leaving modeling, she has become an actual plus size person. And how life and her feelings about her body have changed throughout that entire experience. I thought it was a really eye-opening perspective. I think you guys are really going to enjoy it. So let's get into it. Just a quick trigger warning. We do openly talk about sizing as um, it was pertinent to the discussion because we're talking about plus size and straight size. And so so we did talk about sizing and what size she was then, what size she is now. So if you're going to find that triggering, then you should probably skip this one. But there's no mention of weight numbers or weight loss or weight gain numbers. We tried to keep it pretty palatable for that reason. So Anyway, I hope that you enjoyed this conversation with Sarah Hartshorn as much as I did. 
Okay, my guest today is not only a hilarious comedian, but she is a former model, specifically a plus size model. And I'm so excited to have her on today to give us the dirty secrets about the <laughs> fashion industry and the plus size model game. Sarah Hartshorn. Hi. Hi. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much. I'm so excited. I'm so excited to have you. I I had you on uh, my other podcast, Hot Mess, a while ago, and we talked a little bit about your time as a plus size model. I remember you told me a crazy story about you getting some kind of virus. You went down uh, to South America, maybe, and you got oh, like insanely right. ill. Yeah. 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 I got it in central Mexico. Yeah. And then- oh, okay. Um, was yeah, was like sick for years because partially because I'm such a ding dong that I just like didn't go to the doctor. I was like, no, I'll just like, you know, it's fine. Yeah. I'll just be sick forever. And then finally I went. Um, yeah. Um, and yeah, I had a bacterial infection. <laughs> oh, God. Were you were you there on a job? No, I was there. I was so sort of I was there um, writing about it. So uh, when I I started modeling when I was like 19 or 20, um, when I was on America's Next Top Model, that was like my intro to modeling. Um, and I never... So you were not working as a model before. No, you didn't never. have any modeling experience. So how did that opportunity happen? So um, a friend of mine talked me into trying out. Um, and I like went and I wasn't even sure... Like I went and it's so funny because I always say like, yeah, I wasn't even planning on trying out. But like in the back of my mind, I think I I like had a, a thought where I was like, I'm kind of tall. But like truly like no one had ever said, like the only person that had ever said like you should model was a creepy guy on a train once when I was like 14. So it was just like not a thing um, that was, you know, in my life or like consciousness yeah. so yeah if, and then, if modeling scouts were all creepy guys on trains there would be a lot more models I truly, think. <laughs> truly. and he was yeah he just was like you know you're so tall and you're so beautiful and you should model and I was like ah um I still <laughs> know how to process male attention so I'm a go uh yeah uh and so yeah so the show was truly my intro because I also you know I'm from s such a small town like my mom got Lane no not Lane Bryant um Newport News plus size catalogs and that was like and I don't even Penny. know what that is. Oh my Newport God, it's such a specific 90s, like, poor man's JCPenney, which is also like, we, but we also had like JCPenney yeah. plus, you know what I mean? That's the only thing that I knew about in terms, like, in terms of plus size. Like when they said, you know, you're a plus size contestant, I was like, okay, I have seen that word before once in my life. You know, it was not. Yeah. Yeah. And I think um, they definitely wanted me to be like very body positive and very like, yeah, curvy girls rock. And I was like, I do not understand the dynamics. <laughs> I don't know enough to say that. So your mom shopped JCPenney plus size. Was she a plus size person? She was. She lost a lot of weight when I was 14. But when I was growing up, she was plus size. Um and, you know, it's funny, she and I have talked a lot about body image and stuff. And like, she always was so kind and, and supportive about my body, but she did hate her body. And she's talked a lot about that. And we've talked a lot about how that is so damaging. Um, when you just grow up and you're like, okay, well, if her body is bad, then, you know, thin, like if, if she yeah. only feels like she can be thin, then thin is good. And she lost a lot of weight when I was 14. And um, you know, at first she was very healthy about it, but then, um, to maintain her weight, she was not super healthy about it. And she would like, you know, live off of Twizzlers and coffee and stuff. 
Um, oh, wow. That is very 90s. As well. So 90s, right? And it's so funny because that actually was in the, like, she did, like, I think Atkins or something. Like, she did something that was, like, a little later, but then, you know, once she lost the weight, um, yeah, it was just. That's so funny. I had a friend growing up whose mom would, like, and she would, like, brag about this for some reason. There's, like, a weird hierarchy thing when it comes to dieting sometimes. She would brag about the fact that all she ate was peanut M&Ms and Diet Coke. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> and, like, but it's so funny because you can only brag about it if you're thin. Yeah, because totally. Like, yeah, and she – I like, we've talked a lot about that, too, where, like, yeah, she got thin and she got so much positive reinforcement um, from everyone, just, like, the world. And – she was not even that heavy. Like, I think she was about the size that I am now when she like lost the weight. Um, but which yeah. is like, and, and normally, normally I try not to talk about like, I definitely don't say weight numbers, so we don't have to say any weight numbers, but yeah. I think like for the purposes of this conversation, when we're talking about plus size stuff, we can say sizes and I'll just say, you know, in the, in the beginning that if it's triggering for people, then don't yeah. listen, but, but so what, like what size, cause, because when you were a plus size model, you were not actually plus size, like a uh, size 14 I and I was not a plus size person. Yeah. I have a bit about this, which I also made into a TikTok, which in, it's so interesting. Um, this is just a side note. The, the bit is that I worked for many years as a plus size model. Then I quit modeling, gained a bunch of weight, became a plus size person. Weird how those aren't the same thing. Mm -hmm. Um, and I never, really understood like intellectually I understood that numbers and sizes were really triggering for people and like weight numbers um but it was not something that resonated with me personally just in terms of my own disordered eating um until I posted this on TikTok and it sort of blew up it has like 300,000 views right now and it has all of these comments and it has all of these people asking me personally what size I am what size I was how much did I weigh and I was like oh this is upsetting as shit. Um, yeah, yeah, like, definitely. And it just it really clicked for me on an obviously intellectually, I really did get it. But just for me personally, I was always like, I, I think because I did comedy and also being a model, I was so open about my size. I've oh, yeah. right, like I've always been very open about it, but I was not open about my weight. And I'm still not ready to be open about that. Um, and I was like, oh, okay, so I just, I had a boundary and they are pushing right on. Up. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm not going to tell you how much I weigh. And then they guess. And I'm like, I need you to stop guessing. Yeah. Stop guessing. Like we're not at a circus. I am not. I am not, not a, yeah, I'm not a carnival game. Absolutely. I would be a much, <laughs> I would do a very different carnival game if I was, you know, I would be like fun about it. Um, yeah. It would not it would be involve shots weight. or yeah. something. Yeah. Um, that That's also so upsetting. Cause like, we all know that TikTok is primarily for children. So like yeah. these are probably children or teenagers asking you like and, how much you weighed and how much you weigh now. And, and it truly comes from such a supportive place. Um, like, and they mean so well. Um, although it's actually, it's so funny because I don't know what, I guess my diet, like my algorithm or whatever it, the people who are kind of the least sensitive are older. <laughs> like I had oh, a really? woman come on and she was like, what's going on with your lips? You used to be so beautiful. And I was like, okay, boomer, like what the shit? <laughs> um, like what the fuck? Yeah. I was like, I'm glad that that's your takeaway from this video is that I want to have my looks critiqued. Like that's what you, that's what you saw here. 
Yeah, um, like you're not you're this is why you're not a model anymore. Exactly. Um Well actually, you know, I don't really know the full story about that. So you you auditioned for America's Next Top Model, you got on it, and then afterwards, like I'm assuming you got more opportunities from doing the show. Sort of, yeah. Although it was it was sort of a mixed bag because they cut my hair off on the show. So when I went to agencies, they were all like, Come back when your hair is long. And then finally one agency actually ended up giving me extensions. Um and so, and they were probably cutting your hair on the show to be like, look, Sarah can be edgy. Yeah, exactly. Like and at the time now that probably is true. Now there probably could be a plus size model with short, edgy hair, although they gave me a Karen haircut. But that's a side thing. Like they literally dyed it blonde. I saw a picture, actually. Yeah, it was like it was kind of like um, this is an outdated reference, but kind of like a Kate Gosselin type yeah, of haircut. Yeah, it yeah. Had the, yeah it, and <laughs> the it grew bang. out so badly. It grew out into a bang and a mullet. It was no good. Boy. Um, but. Yeah. So they were like, yeah, so edgy. And then I went to um, agencies and they were like, we don't have edgy plus size girls. There is no edgy plus size. That's not a thing. You have to do catalog. Come back when your hair is long. So um, so I did get more opportunities, but it took a long. I sort of thought I was like, OK, cool. Now I did the show. Now I can just go model. I was like, no, no, you yeah. have to like do test shoots. You have to like, you know, but eventually I did get signed and I was working um, and yeah. And then what what how, when did you get out of it and why did you get out of it? I got out of it about 5 year, in my late 20s, I guess. Yeah, like 5 5 years ago now. Wow, that's crazy. Um and I got out of it because I had always assumed that the industry would kick me out. And I just assumed you age out, right? Like that's what you always hear, right? Models, yeah. athletes, you know, you age yeah. out and then you're done. Um and I was actually, I feel really bad because like the, I tell this story and the woman is amazing and is great. And it's not like her life is a horror story to me at all. But I was talking with a woman who was a model at my agency and I sort of mentioned that and she was like, okay, how old do you think I am? And I was like, oh, I don't know. And she's like, well, you know, I'm in my forties. You can model and do catalog work like well into your forties. And I had this moment and I was like, oh, I never thought of modeling as a job I could get stuck in, but I could get stuck yeah. in this. Um, yeah. And then all my skills would be fashion related. And, and I was so grateful for the opportunities. And like, I loved a lot of what I got to do, but it, I, my, it was never like my passion, you know? Right. Like, it's not Graham, what you wanted to do your whole life. Yeah. And like Ashley Graham and I were at the same agency. And I remember, I always remember like the thing that I remember about her is that she was, this was her like this was her, she worked harder than anybody. It was her passion. Like this is what she wanted. She was so focused. Um, I was like, Oh, that's not me. So I, I worked really hard for a year to save up some. And I talked with my husband and we like sort of made a plan where I was gonna, um, yeah, quit after like on my birthday. Um, and did you have a plan in mind? Like, Oh, actually I want to be a comedian or did that come I later? Want- I was doing comedy. Yeah. I, and that was the plan. I wanted to get into comedy and production. So, um, I ended up working at a nonprofit doing video production, um, with a friend of mine and yeah, I learned a lot. It was great. Yeah. I worked for, basically I worked for free for a year. Um, that was my plan was like, I was like, okay, I'm going to work for, I like interned at UCB in the video production department. And I read like, I ended up, um, like I found a syllabus for like the freshman, like intro to film courses and I read Smart. all those books um, and yeah, and then ended up yeah getting a job in video production, um, which uh, yeah. And so that's, 
and now I, I, I work as a, a comedy writer and also do like funny videos for abortion AF. Um, so really stayed with the nonprofit chain. Very good at not yeah. making a profit. <laughs> what an interesting career trajectory. Oh, I bet, pe- I bet people ask you about it a lot. Uh, yeah, I mean, they do. Because also it is very strange to people like that. People are like, you stopped modeling. And I'm like, yeah. And they're like, don't you miss it? And I'm like, no, not at all. Not even for like, not, no. TBQH, it sounds like a nightmare. I mean, it sounds like my personal nightmare to be like, uh, it, for lack of a better word, like to be a product that like I need to show up and like people can manipulate me however they want and like take pictures of me. It like sounds very invasive. Yeah. I mean, the shoots themselves are not quite so invasive. It's definitely all of the like going to your agency and getting measured and um, yeah, getting Polaroids taken and sort of having like the agency sort of process was definitely the most invasive, which is not to say it's necessarily like the agent's fault. Like they're not being malicious, but yeah, that, that was the most sort of commodifying feeling where you're like, okay. And I'm lucky because I'm plus size. So like my measurements could change. I had a lot more flexibility. Like my agents were very excited when I gained weight because they were like, you are going to get more jobs now. Um, so I can't imagine what it's like for straight size girls. Like, and I know, you know, obviously I had a lot of friends who were straight size models and it was a very different process for them, but it is still, it's funny. It's, it's, you very much have to compartmentalize your attitudes towards your body and your looks, which can be, is, is a very mixed bag, right? In some ways it yeah. was good for me. Cause I could be like, my body is my job. I am working out for my, like, it gives you like a lot of impetus to take care of it. Um, but then when I stopped modeling, I was like, what do I do? Like, do I, I'm going to just work out for, for myself. <laughs> oh yeah. That must've been, that must've been very strange. Like, did you have an adjustment period where you kind of, uh, like didn't know what you wanted to do for you or like, didn't know how to be comfortable with your body just like being the way it was for you? For sure. I am still in that adjustment period. Definitely. <laughs> okay. No, I mean, it's, I think, it, yeah, I, I definitely am still, still figuring a lot of that out, right? Like I do know that exercise make is good for me, but developing a healthy attitude about it has, has, you know, is a, is a process. It's a process and it's never, I don't know. I I, like, I I think I had to sort of realize there wasn't going to be just a switch where it was going to be an easy, comfortable thing where I could, you know, just like have a, a, a constant healthy attitude about it. Like it's a thing, you know, it's like, yeah, yeah. It's, it's something Something that you need to like check in with yourself a lot. I mean, I, I say that on this show a lot because it's like, obviously we're, we're human and we don't feel, you know, sometimes I feel great about my body, but sometimes I don't like our emotions change. And so your attitude about your body and how you feel in your body is obviously going to change. It could change day to day. So it's really important to like check in with yourself and be like, oh, wait a second. Like, what are my actual goals? Like, yeah, because uh, because of course, like if you go from being a working model, then like in a sense, you're kind of being paid to take care of yourself and like keep yourself put together. I and mean, literally like I uh, my gym 
membership, I wrote that off as a tax expense. Like my bikini waxes were tax deductible. Like no way. My eyebrow wax, like everything. I went to a special salon where we got a special difference. And like my agent was in charge of what my hair looked like. You know what I mean? Like, and that was a big thing. Like I dyed my hair purple and I was like, this is something I've always wanted to do. I'm doing it for myself. And then, um, you know, like, yeah. So figuring out just how to like have a body in the world that just exists. Like, um, and then also, you know, with comedy, like you're still a performer, so it's still mm-hmm. sort of relevant and like it still feels feels like your appearance is important, especially as a woman. You it can feel that way. Exactly. Sure. Yeah. Um, and then it's funny because I think I, you know, I made a lot of progress and I was doing like very well. And then you sort of throw a pandemic in and it's like, okay, this is this is a test of all of that work, right? Like we're, we might gain weight. We might. Um, and I did, and I have, and like, you know, being okay with that and, um, yeah. And also sort of having more time to take care of your body and also to not like, just yeah. 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 And the lack of control that comes with that. Exactly. Of yeah. Um, I want to go back a little bit. So you said, I mean, you said that you were under less pressure than the straight size models were, but did um, was your weight or your measurements, like, were they being monitored at all? Were you ever told like, you're actually getting too skinny to be a plus size model or you're actually a little too heavy? Like, were you ever directed in that way? No. Once you sign with an agent, like when I was trying to go out for agencies, I did have one agent who was like, you are too small. You are too small. Um, if you want to lose 30 to 40 pounds, then we could talk about signing you on the straight size board. And I was like, do you understand how much that's so much wait, like I'm, I'm working very hard to be this thin. I didn't realize at the time, like that I was working that hard, you know, because I didn't really know. Um, and what size were you at that point? I think I was like an eight ten. Um, okay. And which again, not plus size again, not plus <laughs> size. And I didn't know, I didn't realize that I was working really hard to maintain that size because I just sort of thought that you were always supposed to be on a diet since I was like 11. I had been on yeah. some kind like, and a lot of it was very private just to me. I wasn't telling people I wasn't like, um, doing it, but I was always conscious of what I ate, everything, you know, that I ate. And that's, yeah. Yeah. Um, so so I wasn't like conscious of it, but I did know that I was like, Oh my God, I'm constantly trying to lose weight. If I was going to lose 40 pounds, like that would be so hard. Um, so, but once you're signed, then they are uh, most agents. And I don't know if this is true for straight size, but they are, they will monitor it and they check, but especially for plus size, it's okay if it changes. It really is. Unless you're a fit model, which is sort of a different field and like a whole other thing. But, um, but yeah, so I did, I fluctuated a lot and it was fine. Um, and I had clients where I fluctuated and it was totally fine. Um, and especially in Europe, they were, uh, they did not really care. Like, cause my, the clients that I worked with really liked me and, um, sort of didn't care. The only thing they cared about was my hair. They were like, we don't like the blonde. So I went blonde. Oh, okay. Um, okay. but so yeah, you have to go in like, I think like, I can't remember, maybe once a month, every couple months to get measured. So they just, they can update it, right? So they can tell clients what your measurements are. But um, but yeah, they never said I was too small, but they were excited at one point. Like I hit a 10, 12 and they were like, this is going to give you more options. And it did. Um, but I was still modeling for stores that I couldn't shop in. Like, 
Yeah. Oh, that's so interesting. Like I went, yeah, I went to a German store. I was modeling in Germany and I had done a shoot there before and the, I had modeled for tights and like they had come out. So my, my legs were on tights packages. So I went to mm-hmm. the store and this woman came up, she started speaking German and I was like, gosh, back into English. And she said, Oh, we are not having the clothes for you. This is only for the, the, and she was like trying to explain. I was like, no, no, no. I just want, I want to see the tights. And she was like, these tights, they are not fitting you. And I was like, no, no, I know. But like, I just want to see them. And I was like, that's, that's like, there was such a language barrier where I was like, that is me. Those are my legs. And she was like, no, your legs are not fitting into these tights. I was like, no, 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 those are literally my legs. I I just, those are my legs. (laughs) Like I just wanted to take a picture. So when you modeled the tights, did, so they, did they have to give you like a specialty no, I pair of tights. This is a little known fact about tights. You know, when you see tights, the pictures on tights, it's like, it's like just from the waist down, it's a woman's legs and they're crossed. Yeah. yeah. She's not actually, and it looks like she's sitting. She's not sitting because you can't, because then that makes your stomach look funny. So her legs right. are actually hiked up in the air. She's on her shoulders. I've done this. I might, you're, you lie on, on your the shoulders. Floor. Yeah. And you hike your ass up into the air and they put a platform under your butt and then they flip the image upside down and erase the platform behind your but that is wild. Yeah. So they didn't so have they... to give me special tights. They just kind of pulled them up and bunched them behind my back. It was so uncomfortable. And then, yeah, and then you have a huge German fucking schnitzel lunch. And then they're like, okay, hike your ass right up back up in the air. And you're like, oh, my God, kill me. <laughs> oh, my God. That is crazy. Yeah. I, I'm not sure. Like, I think you just spilled some major tea about no. the tights industry just no, now. No, I mean, next time you see you're like in the drugstore and you see tights, look at it. You'll see there's no way she's I'm going to flip it upside down and see if it looks more natural. Because she's hiking her butt, right? Because you can't, when you sit, your stomach, you know, and your butt like yeah. flatten and that doesn't look as cute. Yes. It's up right up in the air. Oh my God. The yeah. ma- the manipulation. I know. Oh no. And they would pit, I would, I was modeling for these companies they pin them so it fits you exactly right like they don't they can't tailor it but they pin it um so then when you turn around and do the back they do the exact same thing in the front like they made the clothes look like they fit me and they absolutely would not have oh wow that's crazy did it change uh did working in the fashion industry change your ideas about fashion at all like did it make you view fashion differently because you have like a very cool sense of style oh thank you so much you're welcome. But like, did you have to develop that over time? Like, did you become disconnected with what you liked? Maybe. It's, I think so. Yeah, I think I did become disconnected with what I like because, and this is, again, oh, sorry, hang on. Um, Again, this is different now. Now they really do let plus size girls like express themselves a lot more. They can look weird. Like Barbie Ferreira has made a lot yeah. of threads. And even like, Ashley Graham, you know, she has a pretty straightforward, she's not like edgy, but, um, but they've let them be more fashion forward at the, when I was modeling, you wore black jeans and a tank top to a casting and that was it every Mm -hmm. time. Uh, black jeans and black said that's the model uniform. It's the model uniform. And I think that's less true now. I think you still have to kind of wear that to castings, but, um, just cause they literally just have to see your body, but um, but your style has to be very like sort of neutral, you know, like no plain. Tat- yeah. And like some girls had tattoos, but usually like they, like you, they, you weren't allowed to get them for sure. Um, like I think that was in my contract. Um, so they would probably need to be like easily covered up. Exactly. And, 
so I think, yeah, I sort of got, and also I was traveling all the time, you know, I was flying to Germany, like one, at least once a month. So it was very basic and just sort of very like, um, not neutral, but yeah. I, and so I think that was another thing when I quit, I was like, oh my God, like I'm going to wear whatever I want. Like, and I did definitely have like a exploration period and it's been very fun. And that's one thing that's been very fun is like doing shoots on my own during quarantine. I'm like, oh, I can just do yeah I can do what I want I don't have to show off my body or I can or like it can be weird and so that's been very fun and even though it's like for my Instagram and like who you know who cares but it's like just like a fun creative project um yeah but it's it's funny what we're talking about the the model uniform I actually I just got a flashback because I used to watch America's Next Top Model I there's a distinct possibility that I saw the season that you were on but I just don't remember because I don't remember like anything specific from that show. Yeah, I mean, but, they, they I, but I remember together. her saying, I remember her saying so clearly that she bought boys, large wife beaters, like little boys, wife beaters from the pharmacy and wore it with jeans. And that's what she would wear to the go sees yeah. and whatnot. Yeah. Um, and that that's so funny that I just remember that. But I... The, I looked it up because I was curious about like the history of how many plus size models they've had. And apparently there's there was a plus size model who won America's mm-hmm. Next Top Model. The one right after mine. Yeah. What that was the season right after right you? Right after mine. Yeah, Whitney. Um and I I I wonder like I I never see like I'm sure that the that everybody who wins goes on to have like great careers and but I'm not that tuned in to like it depends she actually I mean she does have a great career but she owns a restaurant in Tennessee now oh really yeah that's um, interesting which I think might be a vegan restaurant I'm not sure anyways but it's I've actually always wanted to go um because it sounds like it's great uh she did pursue modeling for a while um but she was like studying to be a doctor before she was on the show it was not oh. She and she loved it and was really passionate about a lot of her her advocacy, so like surrounding um, body image and stuff. But ended mm-hmm. up, yeah, she she owns a restaurant. Um, yeah, I just wonder, like, and and she was the only one who won. I wonder if they kind of decided that that was a good time to. Not that she wasn't like I'm trying not to shit on her because I literally do not know anything about yeah. that season or anything anything about her, but I wonder if they like the team decided that that yeah. was a good time to to have a plus size model win. My friend is convinced that they really wanted me to win and I just like didn't have the right mindset because they really they just wanted me to be so body positive and I like looking back I'm like I wish I could have given you what you wanted I just didn't yeah. know enough about it and they would be like don't but don't you think like you know don't you think like there's too many skinny girls in fashion and I was like I guess. And they'd be like, you know, isn't it hard? Like with all these skinny girls in the house. And I was like, yeah, they eat all my food and like, they don't know how to cook. And like, cause you know, <laughs> we're all like 18 year old idiots. And they were like, that is not what we are going for. And I was like, <laughs> right. Oh, okay. 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 I just not I, answering I, the right questions, I could Sarah. I sense that I was disappointing them all the time. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. Um, and I was like, I'm That's kind of beautiful though. That's kind of beautiful that you had such a like neutral perspective yeah. the whole way through. Cause I think it, depending on your mindset, it could have 
been really a really hard thing to go through to be the only plus size girl with a cast full of straight size women like that would be very hard but it sounds like because you had that mentality you fared pretty well yeah no I think and and it was funny because the only moments that I would be like oh no okay I'm self-conscious is like when they would ask me and push me on it, I'd be like, oh, yeah, no, I, I guess now that you say it, sort of. But like in the moment, I was like, I don't care. What? What's happening? Like yeah. I just was like too – it was just definitely a moment of me just being like too spazzy and like dumb to like, yeah. you know. And young. And young. And so – yeah, and very young and just so naive and just really like – um like, I remember at one point, like, someone dared me to run around naked. So I did. And Bianca was like, wow, she really doesn't give a fuck. And I was like, yep, too dumb to give a fuck. Let's go. Like, you know, just like. Um, 20. You said you were 20 years old? I think I was 19 on Oh, my God. Show. Yeah. I yeah. mean, that is the prime do not give a fuck age. Yeah. So. Um, very, very fitting. Um, so since leaving modeling, you said you've gained a significant amount of weight or just a little bit of weight. Honestly, I've, I've yo-yoed a lot because I did. I did gain. I did gain a bunch of weight after I quit. Um, but part of that was um, like a thyroid thing, and then I got mono and I lost weight. So it's like it's yo-yoed a lot. Um, yeah. But and has that fucked with your mindset at all? Have you dealt with body dysmorphia at all? I mean, yes, I definitely have dealt with body dysmorphia. But I think that I've had that. Like I, I don't know. I sort of feel like. I got the bo- the body dysmorphia that they hand you at a certain age if you're a mm-hmm. girl in America. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Um, and that's it's sort of almost been like a constant, um, right? Because like I don't know. Yeah, they. I I remember like when I was 14, I described myself as chubby, and someone was like, "You can't say that." And I was like, "But I think that I am. Like, am I not?" And they were like, "Did they mean you can't say that?" Like, like you can't say that you have such a good body yeah. or was it like, no, that's okay. what they meant. They were like, no, no, no. Like, yeah. And I was like, okay. And I just, I, so I've never, yeah, I think, and honestly, I think modeling was, I don't want to say helpful because it wasn't helpful, but it was a way to just compartmentalize where I was like, okay, if I am getting booked, then I can just write and I am working out and I am sort of just like doing the things that I'm supposed to, then I can just kind of like hammerhead through this you know what I mean like it was Mm -hmm. there was a lot of compartmentalization and I don't necessarily know if that was a good thing in the long run but it did sort of keep a lot of crap at bay I think yeah that that makes sense yeah and then when I quit modeling I was like oh here it is like now we have to deal with it now we have to like like check in on the body dysmorphia like you know um and, and, and do you think where you're at now, would you say this is like your natural body? Do you eat like pretty intuitively and this is just like where you would naturally be? Um, yeah, I think so. It's, it, it is hard because um, I think I, I always assumed that the women in my family fluctuated in weight because we have an unhealthy relationship to food and weight. But I do think there is a little bit of a genetic component where like even without that, just I think our health impacts our weight maybe more than the average person, right? Like it's so I think, yeah, because again, I really have fluctuated a lot. Like I got mono in September and I lost a ton of weight. And then, you know, in the quarantine, I've gained some. And so like, yeah, um, you are also 
tall. Exactly. Which which it is easier. I'm only five eight. Only I'm five yeah. eight. Yeah. But pretty tall. And and similar thing. Like I could put on ten pounds pretty easily. Not not overnight, but I could put it on, and you might not necessarily notice it exactly. right away. Yeah. No. And so yeah, I can I can um and and the women in my family are tall. We're tall and sort of um yeah naturally like hourglass curvy and mm-hmm. so uh, are you from the midwest no i'm from massachusetts but people ask me oh, that okay. all the time because my accent sounds a little bit yeah. midwest i got yeah. rid of my massachusetts accent and i just went hard and it became a little bit midwest <laughs> <laughs> well i was thinking that your voice but also like you describing all the women in your family having like taller larger body types I just think midwestern oh, yeah like, yeah uh, well it's funny because it's actually my, like my mom is tall my grandmother was sort of tall and my great-grandmother was very short but yeah but we have all fluctuated um and we are all like vaguely willowy we have long limbs um mm-hmm. even when you know my great-grandmother was very short but uh like five foot but uh yeah but had long we have long limbs so I you think too, baby hell yeah spaghetti arms yeah. over here yeah um, which I think also as a result, like I've had a lot of people commenting on, cause I've made now a couple TikToks like about body image and just sort of dealing with it. And yeah, the difference between being a plus size person and a plus size woman and stuff. And a lot of people have been like, you're not plus size. And I'm like, okay, I, I am, I wear a, you know, I, it doesn't matter what size I am, but like that, those are, I shop at those stores. Do I think the label is flawed? Absolutely. Like the average, yeah. you know, American woman is a size 14. Like what? what does that mean? But I just, I am like, yeah, I, I think also that it's a little bit problematic when people start getting into like, oh, you're not plus size or like, yeah, you know, because I think maybe some people hear the word plus size and they have like a negative connotation with it. Yeah. And we need to get rid of that stigma because you're right. It, it's, it is, there is a measurement, right? Yeah. It's not like me calling somebody plus size is me calling them fat. Right. It's there, there's a measurement, which also some people are, are okay being called fat and that is fine. Yeah. But I, I think like we need to get rid of that. And if a, a woman makes a TikTok video or just puts something online saying they're plus size, they're not necessarily like fishing for compliments. Exactly. Like, oh no, you're not that heavy. Like that's not what this needs to be. And I've had to fight the instinct to say thank you when people say that. Like, because my whole career, right, that has been you don't you don't look plus size. And for years I would say thank you. And now I'm like, oh I have to fight that instinct. Like I yeah. have to stop saying that. And it's hard because I'm polite and I want to be nice. And when someone compliments, yeah. like thinks that they're complimenting me, I want to say thank you. Um, and so I've started saying, uh, you know, I am actually, and I don't, I don't think that's a bad thing. And I'm not, I, I wouldn't call myself fat because I literally, I don't want to like appropriate that word. I think it's great yeah. that, you know, people are reclaiming it and trying to make it like a more neutral word. Um, but yeah, but I wouldn't, like want to yeah I wouldn't want to infringe on that um yeah just because like yeah if we're looking at BMIs I think I am technically overweight or obese or something but BMIs are so flawed that it's like it's such oh my god yeah I mean last week I talked about that because it's so funny we're all getting in TikTok feuds I got in a TikTok feud because I put a video it wasn't of me it was like a teaser for the podcast that I put on TikTok about how fitness influencers will sometimes put hashtag body positivity oh, or yeah. hashtag health at every size when like 
this isn't for you. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's that's what it was about. But obviously, all these comments started coming in like, well, they aren't even skinny. They're just promoting a healthy lifestyle. And then like the, I got in an argument with this one user who was like, oh, well, you know, it's actually impossible for women to be in the overweight or obese range for BMI and still be healthy. Just completely wow. unfounded. I think I responded like, well, you're already saying it's flawed because she said in an earlier comment, she's like, men can have a higher BMI and be healthy, but women can't. And I was cool, like, cool, that cool, is cool, 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 very cool, telling. Cool, cool, cool. That is yeah, so yeah, yeah, telling yeah, yeah. that okay. you would say that. Yeah. But I, I was like, if you're saying this system is flawed, then that means it's flawed. Yeah. It's not flawed for men and not flawed and for women. That doesn't, that's not a thing. Also, like, the medical industry is so skewed towards men as it is. Like, the studies yeah. on men and like people with penises literally outnumber studies on the biologically female body, uh, like hundred to one. Um, oh, 500 to one, 500 to one. Yeah. On penises Damn. versus vaginas. Yeah. And I, it's so funny. I literally Google that fact so regularly because I'm like, that cannot be right. Like I must be getting, like I must be exaggerating and it yeah. is, it's insane. So yeah. And, and all like so many of the studies done on weight and fitness are done you know, with like 75% men in, as the subjects or like, or it'll just be, and then it's also skewed towards like white people. Right. And so, yeah, you know, they didn't even know that like the HPV vaccine is less effective for African-American women for years Jesus because they weren't Christ. in the study. Yeah. Oh, no wonder why we're all so confused about our bodies and like have no idea who to turn to because I, and also I've hear, heard so many stories about people going to doctors and the doctors will say these horribly fat phobic things. And you think because it's coming from a doctor that it's sound medical advice, but it's not because we're all influenced by fat phobia. We're all influenced by diet culture. All it's the like this, time. All the time. So uh, yeah, it's it's just it is fucking miserable to be a girl up to I think age twenty eight. I think yeah. after age twenty eight, you start understanding that like, oh, actually, how I feel about myself is dictated by all of these outside things. 100%. And I can if I shut them out, then maybe I can improve yeah. this, you know? Although it's so interesting. I'm older than 28. And I, one thing that I have been doing in quarantine is really confronting my own fat phobia because I, I think I had done great work and I am trying to eat more intuitively and like have a good relationship with like food and weight. But I, I realized that there was still so much that I was holding on to in terms of fat phobia, in terms of just thinking that my, like my own opinion matters less because I weigh more. Um, oh, interesting. And like, I, you know, I follow all these great body positivity accounts. And I found like, I, I just I was hearing some of my inner monologue. And I was like, Okay, we're gonna change that. We're gonna, we're gonna change that. Because I would be listening. And I would be like, hell, yeah, I really believe that. And then I could, but I could hear this like little voice in the back of my head that was like, Yeah, but they're fat. And it's like, what the fuck? Where, you know? Mm, yeah, no, but yeah, I've, I've had to deal with that, too. Um, I remember one specific incident a few years ago. I was, I had been in recovery from an eating disorder for about uh, what, like a year and a half, two years. 
So I was just at the point where my eyes were being opened up to all the fat phobia that exists in the world. And I'm walking down the stairs to the train and there was a much heavier woman walking ahead of me. And in my mind, I was thinking like, oh, just get out of the way. Like you're so fucking slow. It's probably because you're fat. And I was trying to catch the train. So like it was just these very angry thoughts. The second I got on the train, I was just like, whoa, yeah, you need to take a step back and think about the dialogue that you just had going on in your head. Truly, like it is, it, but it's so, it is that, it, it's like our lizard brain has held on to them a little bit. And I think that was the thing is I'd really, I've, I'd done so much work on my like intellectual, like, and even like my emotional brain, but just that like gut um, response is, is very hard to shift. Um, and yeah, and it is so messed up and it comes so much from a place of self judgment. Like when I am, thinking and saying those things about someone else it's because i i like harbor that about myself which is um yeah which is harmful and like i definitely uh am am like really working to be like you are not worth less because you weigh more like that is not how that works um and then yeah just i have been working on intuitive eating a friend of mine um has an amazing uh nutritionist and has had like a, a a very profound weight loss journey. Um, her name's Pam Schuler, uh, and um, and having a healthy attitude about about um, because she was like overweight and very unhealthy, and like for her, weight loss was getting healthy, and now it's about mm-hmm. like maintaining and like appreciating her body. Um, or it was the whole time, right? The whole time it was about like appreciating her body and, and sort of yeah, doing and that. then naturally she she lost weight in right. the process. Um, and she also yeah, it, it, she also had some health issues that were like related to her weight, you know, and like and so like getting that sorted out, but getting a doctor to determine that and help, right? All doctors just told her we're just putting her on diets for years, yeah. and like, and that has been very telling because, yeah, when I was on your podcast, I was dealing with weight gain and doctors. Um, and I was like, I think there's something wrong. Like, and nobody believed me. And then when I had mono and I lost weight, I was treated so differently. And it was so marked where they were like, oh, yeah, you're losing weight very fast. Like, there really must be something wrong. And I was like, you just believe me right away. It took me t- two years. Like, the way yeah. that, yeah, it was truly insane. I mean, also, I had mono. So, <laughs> Uh, right you know, right it's a it's an easier diagnosis um but like i it, it was just very telling how different doctors treated me when i was losing weight than when i was um gaining it related to health issues um, god i'm yeah. sorry about that oh no that's okay i was i honestly like a lot of that is seeing like seeing systematic issues like that you're like okay it's so clear like it make you know what i yeah. mean it clarifies so much where you're like okay this like the system is right. It actually, it actually does. And, and I mean, I definitely used to be one of those people that just took every single thing that any doctor told me at face value. And it, that's not, you know, that's not a bad thing. I think we're very much taught that, you know, they have a medical degree and they know better than we do, Mm -hmm. which when it comes to certain things, they definitely do. But but they do not all have uh, nutrition training or background, which yeah. is something that I didn't know. I didn't know for years. Um, so I think it's like really important that people know that. And if you are having a problem and there's like weight loss or weight gain like associated with that problem to seek out a dietitian, somebody yeah. who really knows their stuff because 
the the plain old doctors don't. Yeah, my I've actually I've been talking about this a little bit. Oh, God, I hate that I'm talking about TikTok so much. I'm so sorry. It's okay. I'm truly yeah, it's so a sorry. running. It's a running theme. It's also it's like for work we have to make them for abortion access front because it's just it's a good platform and we can reach a lot of people. So it's just yeah, you like, get so many views on just one video. Yeah. Um, so it's just, it's a, sadly a big part of my life, but, um, <laughs> but I've been talking about, yeah, medical professionals, because even like, even dietitians can have very, can still have flawed fat phobic thinking, like finding the right one is so important. Yes. And also like, yeah, finding a doctor, um, that will let you advocate for yourself. Like I, I am a victim of sexual assault. And so I told my doctor that and I was like, you know, if this is what you could do, this is like, you know, tell me what you're going to do. Go really slow. And she didn't Mm -hmm. do that. So I got a new doctor and I was like, oh, my God, I'm sorry that happened. No, It's really again, it was one of those things where it was like, oh, okay, the system like you have like it just it was sort of very helpful to I'm so sorry my husband's on a zoom meeting um (laughs) oh it's okay Um, I think it's I think it's one of those things that like they see so many people that they sometimes just cannot take everyone seriously because they're they have people coming in and going out and cut and they probably forget that they're dealing with human beings at a certain point yeah it's almost as if they're dealing with like organisms yeah in a lab that yeah. they're trying to keep healthy you and know also like it's a relationship especially with something like a gynecologist right where you're going fairly regularly and it's you know it it's important conversations about like lifestyle and stuff right like birth control mm-hmm. and family yeah. planning all of that stuff like so I think yeah it's a relationship it's like a therapist you have to find the right fit like yeah um you know, and, and I think, yeah, just learning like, oh, that's something that I, that's not going to be a given. I'm not going to walk into a doctor's office and it's going to be necessarily, um, they're going to know more and they're, they might be great and they might be educated, but it might just, it might just not be a good fit. And sadly, health insurance makes that very hard and it's terrible. And like, you know, but, um, oh yeah. I mean, that's a conversation for another day. (laughs) hundred percent. But if you are able and you are privileged enough like me to be able to be like, nope, that's not a good fit. I live in New York City. There's a ton of people that'll look at my snatch and make me feel great. Like, let's. You know. <laughs> and we'll be happy to do so. Yeah. And I found one. Although I'm convinced that there are no doctors that have great offices and are good doctors. Like, you either get a great office <laughs> or you get a good doctor. That I think I would prefer the good doctor, but a 100%. good office that's what is yeah. pretty. I mean, when they have like free candy and stuff, I get really It's excited. like really. And like when it, like my old one, like it felt like a spa. Like I loved it. Oh, nice and clean. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah. Um, we need to wrap up, okay. but for everybody who did not pick up on this fact, Sarah is hilarious. She's a great follow on Instagram. Where can people find you, follow you, follow um, all the cool shit you do? Yeah. Instagram, um, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok. It's all just my name. I think on Instagram, it's Sarah B. Hartzorn, but if you search for Sarah Hartzorn, you'll find me H-A-R-T-S-H-O-R-N-E, Sarah with an H. Um, also on TikTok, um, <laughs> my website is sarahbhartzorn.com. I have links to all of it on there. Um, yeah. And Twitter is Sarah Hartzorn. Um, so also, honestly, you can search, um, Sarah H A N T M if my name is hard to find and all my, all my socials come up. <laughs> Do you, I, a lot of people will be doing that because they're going to need a, a reference point. Totally the Sarah, we yeah, there about, were obviously a bunch of Sarah's, um, but if you search yeah. Sarah H A N T M, I will come up. <laughs> Sick. Yeah. Thank you so much for coming on the show. This was such a good conversation. Oh my God, I'm so thank happy you that so you came much. on. Bye. Ah, oh, you guys, what a breath of fresh freaking air. 
I just loved talking with Sarah. I loved hearing her perspective about what it's actually like to be a plus size model. I found it very refreshing, actually, that she didn't face a lot of criticism from modeling agents or photographers or anything like that. Because as she said, in the plus size modeling world, they're much more open to your weight fluctuating and your body changing. I was actually really glad to hear that. And I was very interested to hear how she has dealt with her body changing since leaving modeling and how her body dysmorphia has become, you know, part of her every day from having that experience and trying to gain back her sense of self through fashion and through her body and her hair. And I I just... I don't often hear a perspective on that, and I'm, I was so happy to be able to interview her about it. Anyway, that's our show today. I would love feedback. Please slide into my DMs. I am Lubination on Instagram. That's L-U-B-I-N-A-T-I-O-N. You can also email me if you prefer. I'm at ripdiets at gmail.com. Just send me an email. Send your advice questions um, or your stories, anything you would like to share. And definitely join the private Facebook group. I will say it again. You just go in the Facebook search bar, write RIP dieters, request to be added, and you are in. We are not exclusive. We are inclusive. Have a fantastic week, and I will see you next Friday with a fresh new ep. Peace out. (laughs) 